The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, and the Oscar goes to... Well, it's not going to be us, but that's not going to stop us from talking about this year's Academy Awards. We're hitting the red carpet and finding out which nominated films stand the best chance of winning with entertainment reporter Chris Van Vliet. Then we'll take a listen to some of our favorite Academy Award winning songs. Plus, it's a trip in the Kroll Call Wayback Machine to listen to one of our favorite interviews from the last 20 years. That's coming up today on Kroll Call. Damn right. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. I am your host, Dan Kroll, and I am one bad. <laughs> that, of course, was the theme song to the movie Shaft. It won the Academy Award for Outstanding Original Song all the way back in 1971. In case you're wondering, I am a little weirdo for all these sort of bits and pieces of trivia here are the other songs that were nominated back in 1971 the age of not believing from bed knobs and broomsticks bless the beast and children from bless the beast and children life is what you make it from Koch and all his children from sometimes a great notion i've only heard of other than Shaft, I've heard of Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I have to say is one of my favorite movies of all time. It just came out on Blu-ray last year. I was lobbying for it for years. It seems like Bedknobs and Broomsticks is the redheaded stepchild of Disney movies, but it's out on Blu-ray. If you haven't seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks, it stars Angela Lansbury. It's sort of I want to say Mary Poppins-ish in that there's live action, there's animation, it's children's film, it's great. If you have kids, if they haven't seen it, go pick it up or look to see if it's available for digital download and take a listen, take a watch. The music is good, the animation is good, it's a good story. But again, I already said that I'm a fan, so maybe I am not the most unbiased person. Some of the other songs, I'm looking here at a list, and we're going to be playing some of our favorite Academy Award-winning songs later in the hour, but some of the other ones that took home top honors, 1969, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I think everybody knows that song. If you don't, you're also probably one of the people who thought that Kanye West was doing Paul McCartney a favor by putting him on his album. Last year, Let It Go from Frozen. I don't need to say any more than that if you haven't heard the song. I don't know where you have been for the past year. I can't get away from it. In other random movie facts, the price of a movie ticket back when the Academy Awards first started, 1929, 35 cents. For $0.35, cents, you can't even get a kernel of popcorn at the movie theater in 2015. I don't know. What is the going rate of a movie ticket? I haven't gone to the movies in a while, and I really don't pay attention. Tweet me, at 
at Crow Call Show. Let me know what the price of a movie ticket is in your area. I'd love to put together a list, find out who's paying more. I have a feeling that anyone who lives in a large city is probably paying more than everyone else. But let me know that because especially when you're talking about the price of a movie ticket, I'm guessing it's probably around $9 on average nationwide. And then you add in a popcorn, you add in a milk dud or a junior mint and a soda you're up to probably $20 per person. For $20 a person, you take a family of four, $80, really, $80 to go to the movies. For $80, you can <laughs> go out of the corner and buy a really bad bootleg and go take the family to Fridays or Red Lobster and still make out less than that. But we're not telling you to do that because pirating is bad. It was just for the sake of, I don't know, for discussion. We are, of course, going to be discussing the Academy Awards coming up. We'll be joined in just a couple of moments by Chris Van Vliet. He will talk about his experiences on the red carpet at the Academy Awards. Some great questions there. You know, does anybody really care what people are wearing? We'll find out. We'll ask him. He's also, amazingly, a film critic, so he's going to be able to tell us what he thinks will take home top honors for movie of the year, top film, whatever you want to call it. Everybody has their own name for the categories. So we will come up with some discussion there. That's, as I said, coming up in just a couple of moments earlier. I mentioned we'll be listening to some Academy Award winning songs later in the show. I've mentioned some of them that have won. We may or may not be hearing some of those songs coming up later in the hour. And then, because you'll be hearing about this over the next couple of weeks, probably more than you want to, but... The 20th anniversary of my start, my career on the internet here, is coming up in March. It's March 23rd, and for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be taking a look back at some of the most memorable interviews from Crawl Call over the past 20 years. Crawl Call hasn't been around quite that long, but my career has, so you'll be hearing some of the interviews that I've done over the past 20 years that are relevant, are you know timely, are entertaining. This week's is extremely relevant. The subject of the interview is Victoria Rowell, an actress who you may know from Diagnosis Murder or certainly from her daytime role as Drusilla on The Young and the Restless. She recently filed a lawsuit against CBS and Sony stating that she was not rehired to the show based on some discriminatory actions. Not getting in on the discussion of that, but we will listen to what she had to say all the way back in 2010 about the matter. So she has been, if nothing, consistent for the last five years. But that's coming up in the second half of the show. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the Academy Awards with Chris Van Vliet. He is coming up next. Stay tuned, though. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Curl Call in just a moment or two. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmy, 
Grammys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. My first guest this week is a three-time Emmy winner and entertainment reporter for Deco Drive on WSBN, the Fox affiliate in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. And he's taken some time away from hobnobbing with Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. I'm not sure why he would do that, but he's done that. And he's going to talk about the Oscars with us today. Chris Van Vliet, welcome to Troll Call. Yeah, Dan, thanks for having me on. I mean, I'd much rather hang out with you than the uh, beautiful Rachel Ray. I got to tell you, I love this show dearly, but it would take an awful lot to pull me away from food. <laughs> there was so much of it there, but uh, yeah, it's been a busy day. and I mean, there's always something going on in Miami, and uh, this weekend it's the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So uh, we've been all over that, uh, covering that, and actually after we're done here, I'm going to go back out tonight uh, covering some more. Uh, well, it, it's kind of like I said, it sounds like a lot of fun. You do a whole lot of stuff. Let me allow you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I've got some questions, but it's usually easier to have a guest explain the, the important tidbits that everybody needs to know. Well, I, uh, I was born and raised uh, just outside of Toronto, so I am a uh, Canadian, eh? Um, but uh, and I've been, I've been, uh, I just absolutely love entertainment, television, radio, and I've always had this affinity for broadcasting ever since I was a kid. So uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do this since I graduated from college. I was in Toronto, uh, Vancouver. I just moved from Cleveland, where I was an entertainment reporter for the CBS affiliate there, and now I'm in uh, beautiful, sunny Miami. And it's been awesome. I mean, I've had so many uh, great opportunities. I've been, uh, you know, covered the Grammys live, I've covered the Oscars live, and. Uh, it's, it's just been a, a dream come true, you know, to be able to wake up every day and do something that's fun for work. Beautiful and sunny. You are really rubbing it in for all of us that are in the Northeast and or elsewhere where it's, you know, below 10 degrees. Well, I only say that because, you know, I, I grew up in Canada. I was just, you know, living in Cleveland for the last five years. It's it's quote unquote cold here at 50 something degrees and I'm just loving it, you know. So that's why I'm rubbing it in because it's the first time in my life I've experienced this. I was going to ask, have you become a, a softy? Have you softened up? And usually, like, the people in L.A. are the same way. If it gets below 60, everyone doesn't know what to do with themselves. Or are you still, you know, a Canadian at heart and can take the cold? I mean, yesterday I was, uh, I was wearing shorts and driving with the windows down. It was a low of, like, 42. And people were looking at me like I was this absolutely bizarre human. And I'm like, come on, it could be, you know, two degrees like where you are, Dan. Well, hopefully it won't. I'm going to be in the Miami area in about a week from today. I'm not going to bring the cold with me. But something is interesting. We're going to be talking about the Academy Awards. Sunday night, the A-list celebrities are going to be battling it out for an Oscar. But tomorrow, you're going to be involved in a competition of a completely different kind that I think people will maybe be a little bit surprised. What are you going to be doing tomorrow? Yeah, no, people are surprised when you're, you know, you're usually on red carpets and interviewing celebrities. But I love bass fishing. So uh, tomorrow I'm in this event on Lake Okeechobee here in Florida, a bass tournament with uh, FLW. Uh, so it, this is something I do a lot of. I, I have a bass boat. I have, you know, a couple dozen rods. And, uh, yeah, this is something I do. It's something I love to do. And I know it's surprising, but ever since I was four years old and I caught my first bass, I've been hooked 
pardon the pun. <laughs> Lake Okeechobee is you know, a world away from the red carpet at the Dolby Center. I still want to call it the Kodak, but the yeah, me too. It, Dolby Center doesn't really flow off the tongue for some reason, but you work the red carpet at the Oscars. So what is it like? I mean, I've done red carpet for the Emmys, but it seems like the Oscars are you know even up one step above that. Oh, it's up like, and I've done you know I've done the Grammys, which is the biggest night in music. Uh, it's like ten steps above that because uh, it's not just the biggest night in, in uh, movies; it's really the biggest night in entertainment. So. Uh, one thing that's hugely different is security. Security is like just absolutely clamped down. Um, you're going through metal detectors. It's like it's like TSA security when you just walk in. Uh, they scan wow. your ID. I think the most fascinating thing is you have your credential, and you need to be there in person to pick it up over very specific hours. You have your credential around your neck. You need to wear it at all times on the red carpet, but you can't be photographed wearing your credential because they're scared that someone may see the picture, replicate the credential, and then, you know, get in uh, when they're not supposed to be. So that's, that's probably the most interesting thing. So if you're taking a picture and you have your credential on, a very large security uh, man will come over to you and be like, hey, hey, turn your credential around, take that off. Uh, so that's, that's really interesting, and the carpet is just massive. I mean, it's ten times bigger than any carpet I've ever been on before. And, of course, Ryan Seacrest, he's up there at the front and all the, you know, the people you've actually heard of. If you're, uh, you know, the rest of us, you're down 100 people or 200 people deep. So you're just hoping and praying that someone will stop. And usually you have some pretty good luck. Uh, you know, it, the people that are going to win awards are usually excited to talk and excited to, you know, really enjoy the night. I've done, uh, back when it was the, the Kodak, I did red carpet for the Emmys there, and it really is a huge, long walk. And I remember something from me. I won't mention any names, but I'm curious if you have a, a similar scenario where I was snubbed by someone who I thought for sure would want to stop and talk to me. It wasn't anybody who anybody really wanted to talk to. And they walked by, and they looked down at the, the sign that said where I was from, and they kept walking. <laughs> and it broke my heart. I just feel like they, I feel like people get in these moods when they, uh, the celebrities get in moods when they get on red carpets. They're either going to do an interview with absolutely everyone there, or they're going to do, you know, a handful of interviews with people they know or people that are well known. And then that's it. And uh, I feel like there's really no in between. It doesn't matter who you are or who you work for. I mean, it's hard to convince people. I remember working next to um, the insider a couple of years ago and they weren't able to get interviews. So it's, I wouldn't take it personally, Dan. Well, I try not to. Now, with Hollywood, you had mentioned that the Oscars are the biggest night in all of entertainment. I'm, I'm wondering, because there used to be an allure, a mystique of, you know, glamour of Hollywood. Do you think that that still holds true, or has that changed a little bit in the era of social media where people think that they're so easily connected to these stars? Yeah, I think that's an interesting observation. We're also in the TMZ era now where, uh, you yeah. know, these, these people can't go out for a cup of coffee without having a camera in their face. Uh, with that said, though, I think that there's a difference between tweeting at someone or seeing a video of them on TMZ and then seeing them in person. And I don't think that the uh, the screaming fans or all of that will ever go away. And it's just the I think it's just the world we live in where we look up to these celebrities um, just as, you know, as someone who's who is accomplishing a, for a lot of us things that we wish we could accomplish. And I don't think that that's gonna, ever going to go away even though we do live now in this world where they do seem instantly accessible. Um, 
even though you're tweeting at them, is a <laughs> what's the odds they're going to tweet you back? Well, you know, I, I'm happy. Earlier today, someone tweeted my name in a tweet to someone else, and uh, Kristen Chenoweth, and she responded to all with me. I'm like, wow, you know, hey, look at her. Uh, she yeah. has no idea who I am, but I'm, I'm glad that she. I'm glad that she broadened her horizon. And that gives a segue to the next question of 2009. They expanded the best picture field, Chris, from I think five to up to ten now. Do you think that that was a good idea? The idea was to make sure that there were more films included. But in reality, if the film doesn't really stand a chance of winning, does it matter that it was nominated? I mean, that's devil's advocate. Yeah, I think that my uh, my take on that is they expanded it so that people... I mean, let's be honest. The movies that are usually nominated for Best Picture are not the most popular movies. They're usually yeah. not uh, movies that people have seen. I think when you expand it to up to 10, I mean, this year it's 8, there's a chance you get a movie in there that people have actually seen. I mean, if this was 2008 um, and it was still 5 and we still had those rules, I don't think American Sniper would be in there. And American Sniper is that film that people have actually seen, you know, massive box office numbers. So I think that that's the point of it, to try to make the Oscars a little more inclusive of all films. Because, you know, if it was just five, what are the chances that people have seen uh, Boyhood, Imitation Game, Selma, Theory of Everything? You know, your average person maybe has seen one, but, you know, most people probably even heard a lot of those movies. <laughs> well, since you've opened the door to talking about the Best Picture nominees, I'll mention them all. It's American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Of those, I mean, do you feel comfortable making a prediction or perhaps saying what you think might win? I, I think it's going to be the tightest Best Picture race in many, many years. Uh, but I'm, I'm calling this the battle of the bird versus the boy. It's either going to be Boyhood or Birdman. Uh, I thought both were really well done. Uh, I have a real affinity for the way that uh, uh, Boyhood was made. I just thought that it was really spectacular filmmaking. To make this over 12 years, including you know the same actors, involving this storyline as it went along. It's something that we've never seen in cinema, at least with fictional movies before, and something I don't think that we're ever going to see again. So if I had to pick, I'm going to say the Academy rewards boyhood just for how original that idea is. For folks who go on the Internet, they'll always see for your consideration ads on a lot of the industry websites. Those are paid, obviously, they're to try to get people aware of movies to vote. Do you think an American sniper has sort of an unpublished, I mean, there's a lot of publicity around it because of the real-life goings-on. Does that work for the movie, or does it work against it, do you think? Well, I think it's going to work for it, but uh, I think that what's really working against it, though, is Clint Eastwood is the director behind this, and I don't think this is his best film. Uh, I think that Clint Eastwood's made a lot of great movies before. This is a good one, certainly, but uh, I, I don't think that this is his best work, and that's really, really going to be working against him, because he set that bar very high for himself. It's a good film. It's a great performance by Bradley Cooper, but I don't think it's going to do much on Sunday except for maybe uh, best sound editing or something like that. Really? That's interesting. Okay, so opening the door for best actor, if the best picture is a race between Birdman and Boyhood, what do you think for best actor? Do you think it's Michael Keaton or Birdman? It's Michael Keaton or Eddie Redmayne. It's going to be one or the other. Um, and I, I don't know. 
I think the Academy is going to give it to uh, Michael Keaton uh, because he's older, Eddie Redmayne, you know, a great performance by him, awesome story, but I, he has so many more years left in him that I think that, uh, you know, he, will, he, he has the chance to plot another great performance. This may be it for Michael Keaton, and that's why I think it's, it's going to go for him, but that, that's another really, really tight one. The other actor categories, I think they're pretty much already set, but that one's really tight. So for Best Actress, uh, Julianne Moore has won a lot of, so you think that she's going to continue? Yeah, for... there's, there's no, yeah, no question Julianne Moore is walking out. That's the biggest lock uh, out of all the awards. Uh, she's walking any, out with the Oscar for sure. Any other categories that you think are uh, extremely competitive? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting for Best Director. Uh, I think, once again, that's going to be Birdman or Boyhood. And it'll be interesting to see if, if the Academy gives it to uh, gives director and picture, if they give the Oscar the same film, and I don't know if that's going to be the case. So it may be one of those things where if Richard Linklater wins for Boyhood, maybe the film doesn't win for Best Picture. Later in the show, we're going to be listening to some of the best original song winners from Oscars past. This year, I'm thinking that Glory from Selma will probably be the winner. But, you know, these songs are the ones that sometimes you can never predict who's going to win in the original song. Any thoughts on that particular category? Yeah, you're right. That's a really tough category, and uh, I think that you nailed it there. Um, with the song from Selma, I was really surprised we didn't see the original songs from uh, Boyhood included in there. I know they were kind of, you know, kitschy and kind of goofy, but I thought they were fun and pretty reflective of the style of that movie and the tone of that movie. Um they weren't included, so I think it's going to be yeah, it's going to be that song from Selma. I, I think for sure. A lot of people are surprised that the Lego Movie didn't get an animated oh, feature film nominee, but it did of get the, best, of the year. It's incredible. But it got an original song. I mean, is that sort of rubbing salt in the wound? I, my pick going into the nominations was that Lego Man was probably going to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Uh, you know, I couldn't believe it wasn't nominated. Everything is Awesome is a great song. I think it's super catchy. Uh, I mean, you leave the theater humming that and singing that uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. It'd be so awesome if it won, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, no one really knows what's going to happen. Sometimes there are surprises. Just as I mentioned that quickly, are there any wins in recent memory that were really surprising? I mean, the one that I can remember most that people say was surprising was when Crash won uh, a bunch of years ago. But is there anything yeah. recently that surprises you? That's a great question. I was going to say Crash as well, because the Oscars have been fairly predictable. It's usually, you know, set in stone like this Julianne Moore or the J.K. Simmons, you know, I think he's going to win. Uh, or it's between one or two people. Uh, it's rarely the categories are, you know, three people battling or three films battling against each other. So I can't, in, none, in the big categories, I can't say there's really been any, you know, surprises. In, in recent history, a crash was certainly one, but yeah, not recently. I mean, it's always been like, okay, it's either this one or this one. It's going to be this one or this one. Uh, and it hasn't been like this film coming out of left field. We are almost out of time. A couple more questions. Just one that we posed at the top of the show. What does a movie ticket go for? What is, the last time you went to the movies, how much did you have to shell out for a movie ticket? Uh, I think it was, it was like eleven fifty. I think is what I paid last weekend to see eleven fifty. <laughs> I think the national average I looked, I think it's 850. Here okay. in Philly, it's about 
11 dollars $12 or so. But, uh, you know, I remember the days as an old person. I remember the days of, you know, $3 movies were oh, you know, sure. expensive. Yeah. Oh, you don't remember that, so that's all right. So, I remember four twenty-five on Tuesdays. That was a really big thing, and all the high school kids would go for that. Only on Tuesdays. Before I let you get back to enjoying some food and getting ready to hopefully, you know, catch some big fish. Where can people find you on social media if they want to track you down? If they want to check out your work, where can they go? Yeah, it's just my name, at Chris Van Vliet, uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff on YouTube as well if you want to check that out. And uh, If you're ever in uh, South Florida, I'm on Deco Drive, so it's weeknights on uh, Channel 7, WSVN, uh, 7.30. Well, I'm going to be able to take you up on that offer, and like I said, hopefully you will do at least do me a favor and try to keep it warm down there. Do whatever you have to. I'll, you know, I'll, be- I'll call in. Some favors. It'll be back to 80s. Don't, don't you worry. You know, you'll, you'll be loving it. You'll be forgetting about snow. <laughs> Chris, I appreciate you being here. Everybody, if you want to follow Chris Van Gleet, we're going to have all of his information on our official Twitter feed, at Kroll Call Show. We're going to be talking more about the Academy Awards, or the Oscars, as they're now called, with original songs. Stay tuned, because Kroll Call will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Now I had the time of my life No, I never felt like this before Yes, I swear it's a truth I owe it all to everybody. Welcome back to this week's edition of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. This week, we are talking about the Academy Awards, all things Oscar. In the last segment, we talked about some of this year's nominees for Best Picture and Handicapped, who we think might win or might not win, as the case may be. But as I also promised at the top of the show, we are now going to listen to some of the previous winners of Outstanding Original Song. Now, I am not exaggerating when I say that if a Disney film is nominated in the Outstanding Original Song category, it is probably going to win. Because if I told you that and it was a lie, my nose would grow, as is evidenced by the 1940 winner in the category, When You Wish Upon a Star from the movie Pinocchio. Well, more recently, Disney films have pretty much cleaned 
up. Going back to 1989, Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid was the winner. Two years later in 1991, Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. The following year in 92, A Whole New World from Aladdin. In 94, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. In 95, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. And who could forget last year, the winner, Let It Go from Frozen. Well, don't worry if you are somewhere where it's only four degrees or if you have 10 feet of snow on the ground, we're not going to listen to that particular song. Instead, we are going to listen to a song from a 50-plus-year-old movie franchise that every movie has a song of the same name with the exception, I believe, of one movie because they couldn't figure out a way to make the title into a song. Some of the famous songs that we have gotten from this movie franchise include Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey and Die Another Day from Madonna, but it was 2012 when Skyfall by Adele took home top honors at the Academy Awards. Music and lyrics were by Adele and Paul Epworth. Let's get ready for the sky to fall as we listen to the 2012 winner, Skyfall. This is the end Hold your breath and count to ten Feel the earth move and then Hear my heart burst again For this is the end
That was Skyfall by Adele, a 2012 Academy Award-winning song. Now, I have to say that usually when songs are nominated for Academy Awards in the original song category, they end up being songs that most people have never heard of. Well, that was not the case back in 1984. Listen to these nominees, and these are the songs that did not win. Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now. Music and lyrics by Phil Collins, sung by Phil Collins from the movie Against All Odds. Footloose from the movie Footloose. Music and lyrics by Kenny Loggins and Dean Pitchford, of course, sung by Kenny Loggins. Let's hear it for The Boy from the movie Footloose. Music and lyrics by Tom Snow and Dean Pitchford, sung by Denise Williams. And Ghostbusters from the movie Ghostbusters, music and lyrics and performed by Ray Parker Jr. Those are four songs that stand the test of time. I think hopefully we all know those songs. If you don't, head over to the iTunes, download them. So what is the amazing masterpiece that beat these other four amazing 80s songs? Well, the song comes from a movie that maybe is not at the top of the list of your favorite movies. In fact, it may be from a movie that a lot of people haven't even seen. The movie was The Woman in Red. Like some of the other nominated songs, the song's music and lyrics were written by the person who ultimately performed the song. And last weekend, this person received a very special Grammy's tribute with some of the biggest stars in music today singing his greatest hits. Well, if you don't know who that person is now, let me end the suspense. The song that won the 1984 Academy Award for Outstanding Original Song was I Just Called to Say I Love You by the amazing Stevie Wonder. Let's take a listen. No New Year's Day to celebrate No chocolate cup of candy hearts to give away No first of spring No song to sing In fact, here's just another No autumn breeze 
forget that I Just Called to Say I Love You is from a movie. It doesn't really say much for the movie that it was in, The Woman in Red, but it is an Academy Award winning song going back to 1984. Now, before that, going even further back in our little time machine, 1973. The winner was a song that I think makes a lot of people nostalgic. It may even make you want to reach for your Kleenex. Well, we don't want to make you cry. We don't want to be too much of a downer. But this is one of the top songs that has ever been honored with an Academy Award. The music is from Marvin Hamlish. The lyrics are by Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman. But the song was recorded by Barbara Streisand for the film The Way We Were. It is the song the way we were. Let's take a listen. Memories light the corners of my mind Misty watercolor memories of the way Pictures of the smiles we left behind Smiles we gave to one another For the way we were Can it be that it was all 
What song will follow in the footsteps of When You Wish Upon a Star, Skyfall, I Just Called to Say I Love You, and The Way We Were? Well, we will find out on Sunday when the winner of Outstanding Original Song is announced. And this year's nominees are Everything is Awesome from The Lego Movie, Glory from Selma, Grateful from Beyond the Lights, I'm Not Gonna Miss You from Glenn Campbell, I'll Be Me, and Lost Stars from Begin Again. My money is on Glory from Selma, music and lyrics by John Legend and Common. But who knows what will happen? We'll have to tune in to the Academy Awards Sunday, February 22nd on ABC. Check your local listings for the channel in your area. You can, of course, follow me at Kroll Call Show or at Dan J. Kroll. I will be live tweeting what's going on on screen at the Academy Awards. If you agree or disagree, you can send your tweets and let me know. We have to take a quick break, but on the other side of the commercial, we're going to take a trip in the Crow Call Wayback Machine to listen to an interview from way back in 2010. Stay tuned. Crow Call will be right back. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now let's get back to more of this week's Roll Call. 
everybody, welcome back to Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we are rapidly approaching the anniversary of my 20th year in the business. And you will be hearing about this over the next couple of weeks, probably until you are as sick of hearing about it as I am. I say that with a wink and a smile and a nod and a little bit of truth, because it will all culminate in a special broadcast here on Kroll Call on March 27th when I have no idea what's going to happen. There will be surprises. There will be people crawling out of the woodwork to just make me uncomfortable on air. It's usually a lot of fun. Well, it's supposed to be a lot of fun every year. And you can go back and listen to some of the previous shows in our archives at krollcall.com. But I'm mentioning all of this to say and to get to the point of saying that I have been blessed with having some amazing interview opportunities over the last 20 years. And I wanted to take a look back at one of the interviews that happened back in November of 2010. Why are we going back to such a random week in time? Well, the interview was with Victoria Rowell, who is best known for her award-winning role as Drusilla Winters on The Young and the Restless. Primetime fans know her from Diagnosis Murder. Well, she's in the headlines again because she has filed a lawsuit against CBS and Sony, which is the distributing partner for The Young and the Restless, saying that she was not rehired at the show because of her outspokenness about wanting diversity behind the scenes at The Young and the Restless. Now, people may have been surprised to hear this for folks who aren't on social media or don't actively follow soaps, but in this interview that I did with Victoria back in 2010, she said a lot then of what she's saying now in her lawsuit, and I thought that it would be interesting to take a listen to what she was saying back then and to put it in the sort of framework of what's going on now. So let's take a listen to an interview I did with Victoria Rowell on November 26, 2010. Following your Twitters and reading on message boards, there seem to be two schools of thought to what you're saying. So I'd like to focus on each of them. The first are from fans who want you back on the show and are saying, you know, girl, hush, if you keep talking, they're never going to ask you back. That's the first. And the second are for folks who maybe don't get it and just see you as the angry black woman. <laughs> okay, Medea. Okay. Okay. Without the, without the humor, perhaps. Right. Uh, well, I'll answer to both. Um, first of all, this is not new for me. I've always, I emerged from child welfare, um, 18 years I emerged not as a victim, but as an activist. Um, this has nothing to do specifically. I mean, one should not flatter oneself um, uh, to think that this is all about the young and the restless. This is about equality. Um, this is about justice. And this is about um, fair play. Whether I was in the ballet world, whether I was... Um, uh, writing or acting or in primetime, daytime or film, it's always been about fairness. Um, and there are anecdotal stories everywhere I've worked, whether it was as a secretary in New York City or, you know, there's always room for improvement. So this is not new. You know, this isn't specific to Young and the Restless. There's always room 
for improvement. And so while I was on the show, one of the first things I did was ask Bill Bell Sr., Bill, why is she illiterate? Why does this black character come on illiterate? We had a conversation about it, okay? So this was from the get-go. Um, in terms of a black hairstylist, it was always a concern of mine that I had to get my hair pre-done if I wanted it different from what it could, what it did naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I came back um, from taking a three-year hiatus, I was working on diagnosis murder. I saw nothing had changed. I rolled up my sleeves, and I got very, very busy. It was concerned prior to. Obviously, was doing what I could around story, certainly ballet storyline, etc. But when I came back from that hiatus, and I, I had said to Christoph, I said, nothing's changed, nothing happened in the three years that I was gone. So, um, for me, people are going to say what they're going to say. Um, it's well documented um, how active I was behind the lens, not only in hair and makeup, but in wardrobe, closing the disparity everywhere, dressing rooms. I had to wait 10 years for a dressing room, and I still didn't get the dressing room um, um, uh, addressed. I was still in the same dressing room that I was, and finally just, when Heather Tom left the show, I just took her dressing room. But there, there were things that were going on that I felt were more like pushback than anything else to suggest that I, I shouldn't work on the diversity piece, that I should just be quiet about it, and I never was. Um, I know that I was systematically left off of the Emmy ballot um, for many years, and um, I know that that was part of, of the, um, the pushback, um, but I'm not led by trophies. I'm led by change. Um, so that's my answer to that. Um, if, you, if you back away from something, you can't bring about effective change. You don't walk away from something. People ask me, well, why? People ask me while I was on the show, why would I want to stay in such an environment? Why would you want to go back? I mean, this happened the last three years when I when I came back. Mm-hmm. I said, first of all, I love my job. I love the character. I love the fans. I love the actual work. I don't like the politics, and I don't like the kind of condescension um, that. I have to endure from certain people on that show that I believe admire what they're not. Um, now, you're the, you had another question about the second part of that. Oh, it's just um, angry black woman. Um, no, um, it it has to do with bringing about effective and. Um, permanent change. And that never comes easy. You always come out scratched in a battle like this. Um, It's impossible to walk through this and not get called some names, um, to be pushed around, to be spat at, to be mocked, all of which has happened to me in in this process. And in a way, it would be easier, and this is what we're seeing right now, it's easier for producers to just not bring back Victoria Rowell to play Drusilla because it's going to dredge up the reality of what's going on and what the past is. And that's a shame because 
this should be talked out. This should be addressed. This should not be a situation where people are burying their heads in the sand. We really should be talking this out. It will totally enhance the show to diversify it and also to massage what the reticence is about. So this is about just keeping a dialogue alive. It has nothing to do with the other thing. That is just one of the interviews that I've done over the past 20 years. You heard me speaking with Victoria Rowell, who recently announced that she was suing CBS and Sony for not bringing her back to The Young and the Restless. It's a story that we will be following here on CrawlCall.com and also in my other alternate life on SoapCentral.com, where you can get all of your latest soap opera news and information. That is it for this week's show. Next week, we are going to be talking to an inventor of gag gifts. That should be a lot of fun. Find out what goes on in the mind of someone who's inventing rubber dog poop. I don't know. There are more things other than that, and there's a very interesting story involved in that, so you're not going to want to miss that. Plus, my mother will be here. She and I are on our way to Disney World. It is her first time ever on a plane. She'll be talking about what's going on in her mind. We'll also be joined by Richard Sims, who is our Disney World expert. He'll be talking about all the things that we need to see and giving you some tips and ideas for things to do if you're headed to Disney World on your own. But for now, that is all we have time for. We'll be back Friday, February 27th, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for our next episode. And we're always on at CrawlCall.com. You can go there and listen to any show that we've ever put together. This one, or as I said, the one with Victoria Rowell in its entirety, or other episodes. There's more than 260 hours of me yakking to various people. I hope that you'll join us back next time for another hour of yakking on Roll Call. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.